Welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air and online 24-7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You have your choice. Listen to us as a podcast or listen to us as a radio loop. When you get to the uh, homepage at the aforementioned address, www.centerlefttalkradio.com, which is, which is where you probably are right now. Uh, you either got there through the link at our homepage, the first link, uh, or maybe you got to the podcast uh, by going through your normal podcast feed. Either way, the link took you here uh, to our homepage, or you went to the second link, or maybe you've already had it plugged into your computer or uh, whatever you're listening to, whatever your, your internet-connected device is, uh, and you picked it up as a radio loop, which is to say you picked up a version of this show that's running in a loop, and you picked it up at whatever point the show happened to be, much as you would pick up any radio show in any sort of an analog environment, like, I don't know, the good old days. The, but I, I, I don't want to use that term today for a very specific reason. You'll, you'll understand as we get a little deeper into our discussion this morning, like we did in the past uh, you turned it on in your car radio, you turned it on at home, and there was the talk show you were looking for at whatever point it happened to be. Barring a, barring a trip back into the 20s or 30s, odds were you weren't tuning in at the exact moment when the show began. I, I suppose you might have. But I guess from my recollection, it's wherever the show was whenever you got around to listening to it. That's what the radio loop is all about. Listen, get into the storyline, stay with it, enjoy, listen to Center Left Radio wherever and however you prefer. We give you every option. And we will continue to do so as we are doing today. Now, why, why did I suggest that I didn't want to talk about the good old days or something or some, some notion to that effect? Well, this being, let's see now, today is the 2nd of September, uh, 2022. And odd thing about the last, I would say, two, three, four weeks of American history, and I, and I have to say it that broadly, uh, there has been this shift in what everyone thought was a one-sided takedown of the democratic process by Trump and his allies. And, 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 and there's, there was sort of this... Um, uh, and, and it's a fairly common sensation that Democrats have, this, this unwillingness or this incapacity to basically go toe-to-toe or to feel as though we're putting out as much uh, positive energy as the other side is putting out negative energy. There, there, there's an imbalance I don't think anyone necessarily wants to be as ugly 
and as, as, as miserable and angry and grievance-driven, we don't want the democratic equivalent of the Trumpian message. But we want, we, we, we all thirst for, I've always thirsted for, some sense that there was an equivalent energy and an expressed version of that energy that was capable of countering or that felt like it was countering the Republican ugliness that was out there. Well, by God, over the course of the last month, Joe Biden and the Democrats seem to have found their voice at long last. I, I, I don't know why it's happening this time around and, and happening as, as well as it seems to be happening. But by God, for the first time that I can think of in a very long time, uh, this, the, the sense that the Trumpian message is all consuming and no matter how we work at it, it just by virtue of the fact that Donald's name is on it and something perhaps that he said on his soon-to-be uh, defunct so a truth social, whatever the hell he calls it, network, that's going to go away shortly. Something he always manages to suck up the oxygen in the room. He always manages to fulfill his major purpose in life, which is to be bigger and larger and more garish and more apparent and see and just noticed more than anyone else the ultimate statement of you know no such thing there's no such thing as bad publicity Donald Trump simply wants to be out there well he is but <laughs> so are the Democrats led by none other than the perpetually maligned for being old and doddering and not being able to muster up the energy to do this. No one could ever muster up the energy, and therefore he must be wrong about... I'm, I think I'm quoting Tucker Carlson or somebody. I don't know, probably a bunch of people. But there he is, Joe Biden. And there he was last night at Independence Hall in Philadelphia giving a... Is the word brilliant? Is it fair? It's... It would be, I guess, brilliant, not because it was the best political speech ever given, but because of when it was given and what the content was. It, it was a function of its time and its content. And Joe was absolutely uh, vintage, classic even, Joe. He was the energy uh, bundle that he was as a younger man, and he was delivering a message with full force and full belief, and it came through dramatically. He was standing on the steps of Independence Hall in Philadelphia, where it all started, where the, where the Constitutional Convention was held, where the Constitution of the United States was ultimately signed and adopted. Well, it was adopted later through the voting of the states, but where it was signed, where it was endorsed by the founding fathers, Franklin, Jefferson, Madison, all those guys, right there in the room, right there in Independence Hall. And he began doing something that he'd started doing a few days earlier. 
but he but he formalized it once and for all last night. He drove a rhetorical and practical wedge into the Republican Party. He separated out Republicans as, I, I imagine you could call them good Republicans. He called them conservative Republicans, real Republicans, the type that, from a political perspective, he's been able to work with in Congress, proof being, of course, the climate regulation, uh, some, uh, there, well, no, not the climate, sorry, the gun regulation and uh, some infrastructure stuff that was voted on positively by some Republicans. Now, is that proof of uh, a, a, a truly substantive or substantial number of Republicans who understand what the American people want? The, the statistics, the, 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 all of the surveys, everything shows, the polling always shows that Americans are for the right to choose, for climate control, for gun control, for sensible gun legislation, for all of these things. But the Republicans have been able to just thwart that using the Trump grievance uh, mechanism or the, tr or, the, or the image of the grieving Trump, the grievance-driven, the, the grievance-absorbing and returning Trump to overcome any foolish aspirations that Republicans might otherwise have and drive the force of Republicanism towards grievance and grievance-mongering to the exclusion, to the exclusion of doing those things which Americans want. And, and last night, Joe made it crystal clear. He, he, he reinforced the concept again and again that while there are true conservative Republicans who, like him, understand how the, pol the political system works and, can, and who we can work with to do things for the good of the American people, the party is currently dominated uh, possessed by, intimidated by, importantly, that's the word he used, intimidated by the MAGA branch, MAGA Republicans. He repeated it again and again and again. MAGA Republicans, MAGA Republicans, saying that they are the ultimate extremist group. They do not want fair elections. They want insurrection. Well, you can't be an insurrectionist and an American. You know that that theme is going to come back again and again, you heard it briefly during remarks that he gave about a week, no, about three or four days ago, in, in, in also in Pennsylvania. This is where he's really beginning to get this uh, midterm message going. Now, you, you, it's okay. These are words. It's 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 Joe saying words, but but these are words that Joe never says, and he never ever ever says Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. He's never he's he's always been. Uh, is it a gentleman or is it is it gentlemanly? Is it a respect for the presidency? Is it a is it a uh, is it a norm that he prefers to hold on to? Is it something that's more important than the pure political win, he finally 
is doing what what Trump has does does reflexively all the time, simply attack and attack. But but rather than a, just attacking at, and doing an ad, ad hominem at at Donald, he is he is severing off the control, the, the head, if you will, the controlling head of the Republican Party, saying that, in essence, it's not the majority of Republicans, but it has co-opted and is completely intimidating the remainder of the party and basically pushing for unfair election practices, for basically uh, getting rid of a woman's right to choose, destroying anything that might have to do with climate control or, or anything along those lines, essentially taking America backward. And he's taken that group of people and singled them out. They are MAGA Republicans, MAGA Republicans, MAGA Republicans. If you listen to this speech last night, you couldn't help but sense how powerfully and how and and and, and how resonating the not the, the concepts that he put out there are and would have to be with any rational individual. Now, is he speaking? Does he expect MAGA Republicans to basically suddenly kowtow to him? No. If you're a true MAGA Republican, if anything, you, you're probably re you're, you feel all the more inspired to be grief-driven and Donald sucking up to by hearing, if you even heard a word of it last night, you'll probably hear if there was a stumble somewhere, it might appear somewhere on, on Hunter Biden. Uh, not, uh, forgive me, uh, there'll be something about Hunter, Hunter Biden, there normally would be, but let's say on a, uh, on a, um, any, any of the t conservative talk shows. It'll be out there. This, of course, is all happening in conjunction with the seizure of top secret documents at Mar-a-Lago. It is happening as there is a full uh, disclosure of the fact that the three particular Title 18 federal statutes that Trump was in violation of are truly, truly, fully, he is fully and truly in violation. The, the Justice Department has skillfully, skillfully released additional documentation, always only in response to documentation or requests made by the Trump legal team. I use the term very, very loosely. He is represented by a, a, a series of legal lightweights who do not, well, they certainly don't have a, a concept of the case. They don't have basically any theory uh, that, they, that, that has congealed for them that would function in a, uh, in, as a reasonable defense. So they are resorting back to simply obfuscating, lying, and their lies 
seem to be in a circular pattern. They are coming and working their way back between the between Trump and the, and his team. The lies are now getting almost to the point where they've closed a circle, where they'll be coming back to an original lie about why the stuff was there or what was what wasn't wrong with it. In the arguments before a, a district court. A federal court judge yesterday uh, in which the uh, Trump attorneys are arguing for the use of a special master, special master being someone who would review the documentation that was taken from Mar-a-Lago, determine if there is any privileged material material that, that is, belongs to the president, and they're trying to inject the idea of executive privilege back in there, which has been knocked down any number of times, including by the current sitting Supreme Court, saying that there is no executive privilege to these materials. It's, it's just, they're back to delaying for time. That's all they're doing, delaying for time, but never getting the story out of the picture. You see, in, in the Trump way of doing things in the past, when you delay for time in any issue, if, you are the sit, if you're the sitting president, you go on to something else. You hold up another shiny object, you piss people off, you drive the other side crazy, and your side goes, yeah, look at you, Donald. You're doing it to him again, man. He's driving them nuts. He's driving them up a wall. Go, Donald. You're our grievance. You're our grievance cheerleader. Keep it going going. But Donald no longer has any of those protections. He doesn't have the guardrails around him that whatever adults in the room might have been there at the time could have reimposed on him. He is completely on his own and he's flailing. So much so that last night, when he basically, uh, after after there was a hearing on this, uh, on on, and, and by the way, the, the the local federal judge basically is saying that that she will issue a ruling on the possible use of a uh, of a uh, of an expert basically to to review these materials, other than the FBI experts who have already done this, by the way. But it's just a delaying tactic. It will produce nothing. It'll do nothing. It's more of the perception that we're using kid gloves to protect Donald. And, it, and, and, it's, and, and, and if you read the, the affidavit in support of uh, Donald, of the, of the, uh, ju- of the um, uh, executive branch decision of the, of the Justice Department position on why there should not be a, a you know a a special arbiter a special a special reviewer appointed to look over this material you it, it makes consummate sense and i can okay i'm reading it as a, as an attorney but but basically the, the the highlighted sections the highlighted ideas will tell you in a heartbeat yes it makes no sense there's no right to this we're going by the normal procedures that flow from a a a, a properly executed warrant to search. There's no need for a special master. The FBI has its own discretion, uh, discretionary group of experts who decide how this stuff works. And in the normal chain and the normal process of activity, they do this. At this stage in the proceeding, there, this is not when you call in a special master. It's just 
not. There hasn't even been an accusation made yet, a formal accusation. Donald and none of his people around him have been declared specific targets of the FBI or of the Justice Department. And you know in this instance that would not be sort of a, a, an omitted step. Everything is being done by the book plus here. So that if anything, the federal judge who was going to rule on this request by the Trump attorneys will probably, could very well, erring on the side of extreme deference and caution, could possibly appoint a master where none is required. The master activity will simply slow down somewhat, slightly, the government's investigation. The master would have to be someone who had top secret clearance. It won't be the easiest thing to find someone. You can bet your life the government is out there looking for such a person right now. You know, the, the Justice Department, if the judge is going to go in that direction, you want to make sure that you basically can facilitate this process as rapidly as humanly possible. The, the Justice Department very wisely also said in its affidavit, you know, we're not obviously, for very obvious reasons that we've stated in here, we're against the notion of you appointing a special master. But if you do, might we make these suggestions for the parameters within which that special master would work, which are in line with the original warrant information and the original grant of the warrant that was given by Judge Reinhardt. It, it, they're covering every single step that they can possibly cover here. Now, let's say this judge goes ahead and does in the next few days, uh, early next week, grants uh, the motion for a special master. And I'm predicting that she will do it with within the constraints being offered by the Justice Department, maybe varying one or two of them just to prove she has some independent thought, but still being, uh, still erring on the side of deference to the, uh, to the former president. She, she may make some reference to how long uh, the Justice Department took to actually execute warrants that they claimed were absolutely, uh, for documentation they claimed that was so dangerous in the national interest and that if they're claiming that time is of essence now, perhaps they should have been claiming. She'll make some statement that would excuse the time delay, and it'll just be a matter of maybe a couple or three weeks, I would think, that, that this will slow down the process of the investigation being done by the Justice Department. It will in no way change the nature of what the Justice Department is doing. It will in no way change the fundamental nature of the, that the laws uh, that, that, have been, that have been broken of the criminal offenses that have been committed as enumerated by those three sections of Title 18 that are out there, the Espionage Act, the retention of, 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 of materials, and on top of that, the 
obstruction of justice process that's evidenced by his by the lawyers that have signed off on things. Trump claims now that he knew there was stuff in the in the Oval Office, in his fake Oval Office that he has in Mar-a-Lago. It, it, it's all there. It's all there. So this judge will will do that, but she'll be careful. You, you see, she's a Trump appointee. And, and, and this is really a major point that I want to get to. I, no one's talking about this yet. But this, this is going to, as we get deeper and deeper and closer and closer to the indictment of Donald. And, and, and people, Andrew Napolitano, and, and, and there are people appearing on Fox all over the place saying the exact same thing. There are... There are uh, op-eds being written in conservative, uh, the, the Washington Times, uh, the New York Post, everybody is all letting, they're, they're letting you know, they're letting, they're letting their rational, non-MAGA Republican people who can still A, read, B, uh, have what's left of their capacity for critical reasoning stimulated by the fact that it is inevitable Inevitable that Donald will be indicted, and if he's indicted, the, the, the government will get a conviction. You got to get people ready for this, and publications have to be able to set themselves up one side or the other in advance so that they can sort of, I, I think, thwart the accusation that will invariably come that you have been uh, facilitating the lying and the cheating of a indicted and convicted criminal. Let those words sink in your head for a second. This is what Donald's going to be sometime after the November election, not before. Okay, so, so back to the notion of how does this affect this judge who is uh, gonna rule on the special master request, and how does it affect Judges. Okay, now, now, now we're, getting, we're getting into, um, as I say, an area that no one is looking at yet, but I promise you many will. At some point, Donald Trump very likely will be a convicted criminal. He will also have been a former president, always will be. He will also have been the appointer of three members of the Supreme Court and uh, triple, triple figures, I mean, 100, 200, I don't, know, I don't know how many federal judges. There were an awful lot of federal judges appointed. I don't think more than have been appointed uh, under some other Democratic presidents, but a hell of a lot of federal judges. The big coup, of course, was getting the three justices on the Supreme Court just by the nature of how things were done. Everybody has said again and again, if only, uh, uh, if only there had been a retirement rather than a death, uh, that we could have gotten some, on and on and on and on and on. Any event, we've got these three judges. We know that two of them lied during their confirmation hearings about what they would do with Roe v. Wade. And then the court, all three of them, all three of the Trump judges and three others, 
so six to three, the Roe v. Wade was eviscerated. A a a fifty year mainstay, a fifty year established uh, right of women in this country, and a a the perfect statement of what stare decisis means, the, 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 the sacred nature of precedent within the Supreme Court, and it was basically overruled with, I consider, the flimsiest of rationale. It was clearly a, it was a, it was a, a, a goal in search of a rationale, and the rationale, because of how, of, of, of how devoted its devotees were to just getting to that goal, the rationale was really bad. Alito wrote it. It was, it was, a, it was a terrible legal decision, nothing that would have permitted the overturning of a 50-year right. Suddenly you have, again, go back now, think back, think, think forward now. Okay, sometime after November, you will have an indicted president, and sometime probably in 2023, you will have a convicted former president who appointed three Supreme Court justices and a whole bunch of lower federal court justices who will now have to live with the reality the constant reality that they were appointed by a convicted criminal. Whatever their personal feelings. I mean, after all, they were they, 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 the Federalist Society vetted them. I don't think Trump knew or cared who they were, couldn't have given a damn about who they were, as long as he knew that his base would respond accordingly. As long as he knew that the MAGA Republicans and others more than just the, the total crazies, this, this is, you know, hey, let's get the decisions we want out of the court. But it was back, we're back to be careful what you wish for. And be, well, it, it's, it's it, let's see, how else could we, what's a better way, how do you, what, what's, a, what's a catchy, well-known phrase that describes what happens when you receive a gift and the giver is flawed? The giver is fatally flawed when you basically are, well, something about the company, you're judged by the company you keep or something along those lines. What do these judges do, these Trump-appointed judges? How do they comport themselves once Donald is indicted and convicted? No, no, no one's talking about this yet. Well, well, obviously you start with the Supreme Court justices. The Supreme Court justices, two of whom lied during their hearings, their Senate hearings, said they were going to maintain stare decisis, would not change Roe v. Wade when asked directly on that. The third, I think, I think... Uh, I think one of them, I think, Neil, was it Gorsuch basically waffled on this? I think he waffled on it. But two of the three, uh, Cartwright, Cunningham, whatever his name is, I keep wanting to say, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Well, in any event, the, the guy who was in blackface, you know, and, uh, and the woman who really didn't have much going for her uh, in terms of uh, her background uh, or, or her, her history on the bench, those two lied. 
flat out. Now, you know, you know that to be considered for that position, the Federalist Society said to them, what is your position? Ask them, what is your position on Roe v. Wade? I want, I believe it should be blah, 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 blah. Quite, closed door, private discussions. I, 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 I am not in favor of it. Well, if the opportunity came up for a vote, how would you vote? Do you know that was asked? And, 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 and you know it wasn't, it wasn't uh, worked around. There wasn't some ca cautious way of speaking because any discussions would never make it out into the public. And, and, and another thing that must have been discussed with the Federalist Society when they were interviewing uh, Comey Barrett and, and, and the other one, um, you, you know, guys, you're going to be questioned by the Senate. Now, I, I know you're against Roe v. Wade. You want it done. But they're going to ask you flat out, flat out, they're going to ask you, will you knock down, are you on the verge of knocking down Roe v. Wade? Are you, are you absolutely committed to stare decisis? How, will, will that have a bearing on all of your decisions? Will you respect stare decisis? And how, how are you going to answer you gotta, you know, you, you can't, you can't be on both sides of this. You gotta basically, if you, you know, if if you're not gonna take down Roe v. Wade, there ain't no way in hell you're getting on, you're getting on the Supreme Court. You're getting a lifetime. You don't, you, no one gets something this hot and this good unless they basically, and well, in in, in Trump world. No one gets this much unless they're willing to give a lot more than they get. And the give on this one, the prize, is to take down Roe v. Wade because that's what we need. That's what our base is screaming for. They've been screaming for 50 years. This is going to galvanize Republicans across the board, not just our MAGA people, not that they would use the term MAGA Republican themselves, the, the Federalist Society. So what are you going to do when you're asked by the Senate during your confirmation hearing process are you willing, well, I'm sure these, this wasn't said this way, are you willing to lie? Because you're going to have to. You're going to have to say to get, to get in there. If you tell them, I'm not going to touch Roe v. Wade because stare decisis prevents me. Because it's a 50-year privilege being given to American women. It's a 50-year right, and basically it's embedded in law. And as a proper jurist and as a respecter of court uh, protocol and, and, and the history of the court, I can't touch that. No, if you say that, you're not going to be a Supreme Court justice. You've got to lie. And so, two of them did, and one of them somehow, <coughs> I think it was Gorsuch, he, he somehow fluffed past it. In, in looking back over his testimony, no one could quite find an outright lie. But the other two lied. They said that they would not touch Roe v. Wade, that they were in favor of stare decisis, and by voting to take it down, said exactly the opposite. They lied to the Senate. They basically took down Roe v. Wade based on the most flimsy, flimsy of arguments. What do the three Trump-appointed Supreme Court justices do 
How do they perform? How does this affect them once Donald is indicted and then convicted? What do these Supreme Court justices do with any case, any case, that even smacks slightly of Donald's hand or laws that may have been involved with him or, or further uh, f the ultimate treatment of him basically uh, maybe involving a sentencing decision or some kind of prohibition or any, anything involving Donald or things that Donald has touched. And there's a huge swath of them. Maybe it will involve Roe v. Wade. Maybe it will involve abortion rights. Maybe it will, it will come back to the court because there's been such a massive outcry against the removal of Roe v. Wade. There have been such amazing negative responses because people wanted it there in the first place. It's become something that no one ever imagined would be such a an energizer for the Democrats. It was thought it would simply get Republicans grateful that they finally got something they've been fighting for for 50 years. They've been the chihuahua facing the eight, chasing the 18-wheeler. The 18-wheeler finally stops as it's running out of gas. It's trying to gas up again. The chihuahua starts digging its teeth into the, into the tires. They become embedded in the tires, and the damn truck starts to roll again. And you know what happens to the chihuahuas, okay? This, this is what's happening with Roe v. Wade. And, and this is just one little piece. Then there's the election issue, the, the, the false, the attempt to put in people who will overturn an election simply because they don't like the results, exactly like Joe Biden said last night. Then there's the people who were completely against, and this is most all Republicans, if you go by the votes, who were against everything in the most recent uh, inflation-busting bill, the one that included all the climate change legislation and so many other things that Americans have been trying to get forever. What, what do you say when something involving all of that comes before a, well, forget the Supreme Court, any federal court. When, when something reminiscent of Donald and being for Donald and against everything else, when something along those lines and there's a challenge being made, what do you do if you are a Federalist Society Trump-appointed federal judge? Don't you go out of your way to avoid the perception that I'm still wedded to this indicted and now convicted criminal? Don't, isn't there something in the back of your head that says, if I'm to be perceived as a credible judge by anyone, I'm going to have to somehow distance myself from my genesis on the federal court? From, from the way in which I got to the federal court? Do, or, or do you imagine that, ah, so Donald gets, you know, indicted and even convicted. Doesn't affect me. I'm simply on the court. No one's going to notice that I was, you know, the, the that Donald appointed me and that the Federalist Society put me. Nah, this is, 
by the time anyone looks at it, it'll be such a secondary issue. I'm just going to go about my business. And will I be doing Trumpian type things? Will I be what I'm, what people supposed I would always do? Would forward the Trumpian agenda? Would I sort of accidentally uh, fold myself in with uh, other decisions uh, that, or, or in, when I get an original decision, will I kind of take the Trumpian view of these things be against everything simply because there was Democratic, uh, the Democrats basically passed something and therefore I'll knock it down because it's, because I politically can? Am I actually going to do that? Will I ever be questioned? If I'm one of the three Trump-appointed Supreme Court justices, must I look over my shoulder now and wonder when will I be called to testify about my original testimony during my Senate hearing? Do I think about that? Damned right you think about that. Damned right you are conscious if you are a federal judge who was appointed through the Trump process by a what will be not too far down the line a indicted convicted criminal even just the indictment even even where Trump is right now when by the way uh, after after the announcement that uh, the 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 uh, the federal judge was basically going to be reviewing uh, the testimony and and the information uh, argued in court by both the Trump lawyers and the and the and the uh, justice department yesterday concerning the special master appointment after that information broke and it's just going to be okay sometime hopefully next week we'll get some information on this Trump winds up on air on some, on some conservative, uh, I think it's either a blog or it might be a station, I have no idea. Some woman on mic, this is the image that I saw, Trump is, on, is, is there on, on telephone connection and he is bragging that it, he, he actually said, this is yesterday, think about, think about when and where we are. Think about where this guy is. Think how his mind works. Thinks, think about how he could never ratchet down. He must, he, must punch, he must punch down. He must ratchet up. He must be more outrageous every time. Think of how that's worked for him in the past, but think of how it's not working now. What does Trump do yesterday on this conservative radio or maybe it was a TV show? I think it's probably TV or video at least, you know, online. He's and, and the part that I saw, you know, she, the woman says, well, yeah, you know, they're, they're about to give a 10-year sentence uh, to this uh, ex-New York police officer uh, who was convicted of, um, of using a flagpole to injure a, uh, a Washington police officer. A metro, I don't know if it was a Metropolitan or a, or a uh, Capitol police officer, but, but uh, one of the police officers who were injured that day. And Trump comes back with, I'm... I'm prepared to help all of those people. I don't know if he said, he didn't say, I'm prepared to help people with their legal issues. Money was the implication. And keep this in mind, he says. If I, once, I'm, once I'm elected again, there will be pardons for these people. 
he came right out and said that I will be pardoning convicted criminals. People convicted of insurrection can look to me as a soul brother, as a fellow spirit. Why? Well, because I myself, didn't add this part, I myself will be an indicted and convicted criminal at that point. You see, so, so America will have to re-elect me as an indicted, convicted, former disgraced, former twice impeached president who, when he gets back in, will basically be doing favors and has said in advance he's going to do favors for other criminals. I, I am telling you up front that my second administration, if God forbid it should ever happen, will be a criminal enterprise ab initio from the beginning. I'm going to kick it off as a criminal enterprise because I will be free. I'll be opening the jails and kicking out from those jails those poor people who were arrested, tried, and convicted, and jailed. Or even if they were just convicted, I don't want them, my God, that they shouldn't have bad records for, for having you know, been part of an insurrection against the government of the United States, which I incited. No, no, we, 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 we can't have that. I will be joining with criminals, as I have in the past, basically to thwart the justice system of this country. I, I, I only did it with, uh, you know, with Flynn and, and, uh, and, uh, and a few other people before, and Roger Stone, who was about to be, uh, get his sentence and everything, and, 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 and uh, what's his name with the, um, uh, yeah, okay, you know, and the whole Russian situation, and, and, and you know, and, and lying to, con I, I only did it with a handful of, of crooks before, but now I will work with categories of crooks. <laughs> There's nothing that I won't be able to do once I'm president. There is no criminal enterprise too garish, too in-your-face, too disgusting, too anti-American that I won't participate in to pander to the sick ideology which I have created. Let's call it MAGA-Republicanism. How is that playing in America. Well, I, I'm, I, I have no doubt that for Trump lovers, uh, it's okay. If you're a MAGA Republican, yeah, grievance. Not, not, again, not, not thinking about what the implications of, of, a, of, a, of a predicted criminal enterprise are by a criminal who basically wants to go in and use the Oval Office as a criminal headquarters and is telling everybody. No, those people aren't th thinking along those lines. It's just grievance raised exponentially, and this is more things to feel grievance over. But is this the sort of thing that Donald can use to deflect from what's happening with the FBI search to deflect from the work of the January 6th committee to deflect from the, uh, the grand jury and the pending indictment for election tampering in, Georgia, in Georgia to deflect 
from Letitia James's uh, ongoing investigations? Is 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 all of this? Is every time Trump gets more um, outlandish, does he simply negate? the other stuff, as he was able to do when he occupied the White House, when he occupied the Oval Office. No, he only is adding on to it. He doesn't know any other moves. He has no other tricks. He only knows how to double down, triple down, punch down, keep it going, ratch up the rhetoric, and when there are enough lawyers to basically obfuscate for him and enough other stuff going on that really can't hurt him that much, he's gotten away with it. And he's trying to use, well, I'm a former president. Actually, I'm the current president. Um, as a vehicle for also mollifying or modifying whatever reaction the, the, the rational people should have. But... Is it working for him? No. No. As, as we speak, it seems more and more apparent that Democrats will hold the Senate. And while it wouldn't have been imaginable six months ago, there is a better than even chance they will hold the House. Sarah Palin who was supposed to be a shoe-in in a special election for Congress to fill the unexpired role of a Republican congressman in a totally Republican area uh, in the election that took place a few days ago, and she was going to finish that, and then she was going to run for She lost to her Democratic opponent, Sarah, none less than the ultimate Wacko Berry, former, uh, former candidate for vice president of the United States that, that, uh, that was never really desired uh, by, uh, by the presidential candidate uh, at that time. Uh, McCain, McCain said later that she was basically forced down his throat by the party, and he never really wanted her there. She was a, she was a wacko, Barry. She was a distraction. She should have won. <clears throat> she lost. And there are many other seats that basically would have been given up for love. Even, even with all the gerrymandering and all the cheating that's going on by the Republicans, these seats with just a little bit more turnout will turn on turn against Republicans, and the people that would be otherwise elected to cheat on the elections, were they to actually attempt to do that, to say, well, I don't care what the numbers are, I'm going to declare the Republican candidate. Remember, remember the, the, the MAGA mantra on this is, we win or we declare it was a fraud. And then when we, once we declare it's a fraud, we go ahead and we just keep going and going until we force it to not. It's, it's just pure Trump logic. You just, you go at it, you go at it, you go at it until you wear the other side down. Not going to happen this way this time. It's not happening. This is a change, a seed change in America. This was not going to happen. The House would never be up 
for grabs. The House and the Senate were supposed to follow the standard rules of midterms when one party has won the White House and both houses in an election. In the first midterm after that, they lose one or both and lose major seats across the board. That would spell, especially in an inflationary cycle, which we're in, and which is inevitable, simply given COVID and everything that's happened, that would spell victory to the other party. But the other party is run by the crazies. The other party is the MAGA Republicans. Those are the controllers. And Americans are choosing, they are choosing their democracy over their grievances. And it won't be everybody, of course, not by a long shot. But we're getting evidence that this message is really starting to break through. That, that the danger of what could happen if we allow the loonies to take over the loony bin, and that's what it would be if, if a Trump White House, a new Trump White House were to happen, you would only get the craziest of crazies working there. No one's going to work for the guy. Any, or any, anyone with self-respect won't work there. And you basically are going to get a revenge tour. You are going to get a criminal enterprise. He's announced it. You're not going to get all of MAGA-hood, uh, you know, MAGA-dom to, to, to respond to that. But they'll peel off a few more. And, and what's left becomes all the more concentrated. But we're getting ready. We're, we're going to take up arms. We're going we're to uh, have a civil war. Against whom? Who are you going to shoot? We're, 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 when you're told to start shooting, oh, who do you shoot? Do you, do, you, do you start shooting? Do you shoot your neighbors? Do you shoot your friends? Do you shoot, do you shoot your family members? It's, oh, oh, where, where do you go for the civil war that's being declared to be on, we're on the verge of if, God forbid, Donald is indicted? Lindsey Graham, you asshole. You flaming, flaming insurrectionist asshole. You flip-flopping SOB. God, you're a sick man. Where, where, you know, wh what are we going to do? We're going to do exactly what the former attorney general said, Eric Holder. He said, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're damned if you indict him because someone's going to react the other way on the other side. And you're damned if you don't because the other side is going to say, what the hell is wrong with us? My God, the country is... So you just simply follow the rules. You follow the law. And you're going to indict the SOB and you're going to convict them. Now, I'm, I'm adding those last words. Holder didn't say that. Too smart. I'm not that bright. I can say it, though. I'm a commentator. Holder, Holder's a former attorney general. And he has to maintain some, some decorum here. But just like the former, just like the current president finally called out Donald Trump by name, everybody is doing so. And they're doing so knowing that he has nothing left but his big effing mouth. That's all he has left. He doesn't have the facts. He doesn't have the law. He basically doesn't have a lot of friends. He has followers. And he has, he has the hope of intimidation. He has <coughs> the desire that if he says enough, and if he puts enough fear and enough grievance out there, Others will for him say, you know, if, they, if God forbid they do anything to him, there's going to be blood in the streets. And, and he's got that. It's always about intimidation. It's always about fear. And, and hopefully that will mollify or modify the actions and reactions of the forces of the true forces of law and order in this country. Not working. 
It's not working. And no matter when the indictment comes, the Mar-a-Lago raid and everything coming from that and every other dumbass thing that comes out of this jerko's mouth between now and when he actually is indicted will keep him and the image of him out there. He doesn't have to be indicted to affect the, uh, the election in November of this year, the midterm elections. He's affecting it moment by moment. The indictment isn't what's going to seal what's happening here. It's Donald's own hubris, his own insanity, his narcissism, his, his mental illness, the sickness of a, a guy that wants to use the White House as the source and, the, and home base for a criminal enterprise for his own ends. He's doing it to himself. What will people do when he's indicted? What is people? I don't know. We'll see. It may get messy in a few places. Will there be a civil war? I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't think it'll ever be organized that much. I would, I would imagine, and I've said this on other shows, that there, there may become a, a place in time for, you know, again, we're in unprecedented grounds. The, the U.S. Army may find a role in this, and that's, that's a part that worries me tremendously. But we can't simply stroke Donald and mollify him and, 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 and coddle him because he's threatening us again. You can't function like that. And I think that that's getting through finally. It hasn't gotten through to MAGA Republicans. God help us, it has not gotten through to the substantial majority of the House Republicans in both houses and to many state houses around the country. But it's going to become harder and harder to hold on to him, to grip him, to grasp him. Because the Democrats are finally playing it correctly. They're finally messaging the way they need to message. They're messaging directly. And it's being, the messaging is being led by none other than the least apparent messenger, one would think, under the circumstances. Joe Biden, a guy who by every poll would beat Donald Trump by about five to seven points, depending on the poll, were the election to take place today, if, if Trump were able to run. Now, I've said this many times also, the Democrats could do the Republicans a huge favor. And as part of the sentencing, prohibit, which they could under the second of the three Title 18 laws that he'll be prosecuted under, at least in this instance for the, for the, uh, for the secret documents that he's, that he's hoarded and then, and then held back from uh, the, the Justice Department. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the basic penalties permitted under that law is that he would no longer be able to hold fed, uh, office. Any, any, any political or, I, I don't know if it's just federal, but I believe it was any political office. And that would be it. He wouldn't be running for president. And that creates a whole other series of insanities for the Republican Party. What? <laughs> oh. We live in interesting times. But I would, I would also have to say we live in hopeful times. Hope not being something that's dropped in our laps. Hope that is something that we only recognize when we've understood what hopelessness and fear might be. 
and we choose, we, we actively go for, we actively, we take measures to re-inject hope into our lives. This is what people of good faith in this country, Republicans and Democrats alike, have got to do at this point. And I, and I think we're capable of it. Our future as a democracy depends on it. Stay tuned. There's a, there's a lot more to go. A lot more to go. I, I, I think we might want to digest what we've... Well, a lot more to go on future shows anyway. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, David is not with us today. It's a Friday, but David can't be with us. He will be with us again next Friday. But uh, we've had enough here to uh, think about and digest. How do we do it on any given day? We do it with a little jazz. been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. The Democrats are finding their message, and the messenger, the unexpected best messenger, is none other than Joe Biden, who's proving he knows a lot more and has learned a lot more than Donald Trump could ever possibly learn. Where will this lead us? Well, we have to go in this direction. And I guess what it comes down to is what we've often said. That's why they play the games. <laughs>